This is Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast with Roscoe, the fanalist, and Southey. Welcome back, welcome back. Uh, I am Roscoe, and I'm joined again by our good friend, the fabulous fanalist, Steph. Uh, unfortunately, Southey's in concussion protocol, so he is away from screens <laughs> and not with us today. We're hoping he gets better soon, wishing him a speedy recovery. We love you, buddy. Um, I'm actually serious. He is in concussion protocol. Thanks to the ice. Yeah. (laughs) He, not even playing hockey, hit the ice. And uh, yeah, the dangers of working in the winter in Ottawa. So again, wishing him a speedy recovery and hope he's back soon. But Steph, how's it going? We got nothing, uh, no games to talk about, but let's chat. Yeah. um, I was really excited to bring you guys two episodes this weekend, you know, a Leafs back to back and more prizes to give away. But, you know, things are like spitfire now. You just don't know what's happening. Every night is a whole new world, it seems, just going out of control. So here we are. Here we are. And here I thought I was smart picking up on Andre uh, Kasha at the beginning of this week. Oh, yeah. uh, I have not gotten a single game out of (laughs) him. Oh, no. Oh, but you got your goalie just... starts. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, Dallas and I think it was Chicago played last night. And Jake okay. Ottinger uh, started a net, thankfully. But I was yeah. watching. And at the second period, it was like three to one. But for some reason, he had like an 866 save percentage. I was like, what is going on? It's Ugh. because Chicago only had six shots on goal in the second period. Oh, no. So he was just... five for six in the middle of the game. I'm like. Um, this isn't good. I don't, like, I don't even care yeah. if you lose at this point. It's my save percentage that sucks. I took a chance on Forsberg last night since we spoke so highly about him, you know, and Ottawa's been on fire, but of course they lost in overtime, 3-4, posting an 8.95, and I'm just trying to get big points this week, um, facing someone who's not very active and tried to get that third win, but... Ah, I screwed myself in the other categories. Yeah, I was looking at, I think, save percentage. We're currently at, yeah, 909 to 910. It's 0.001 off. That's what I'm losing by. Oh, that's brutal. uh, Molly's got Hellebuck and uh, shout out to Molly. Hellebuck and uh, Demko both playing today, so I'm probably going to lose that. Yeah, oh, I'm well. hoping that my uh, pickup of Varlamov after he was on the waiver wire. Oh, he's actually not even playing. I just noticed, but I'm um, hoping he pans through eventually because this guy's supposed to be elite. But I have Bennington playing playing later, and uh, we'll see if Winnipeg can hold it together. But yeah. Oh yeah, I've got Pionk in that game too. Um, yeah, mm, we'll see. But tough week for fantasy owners, man. Like you look at your roster, it's just red across the board. And luckily, I'm such a nice commissioner. You know, you guys have four <laughs> IR spots. This is a rare thing. Uh, you go to public leagues, there's no IR plus. So I know uh, someone in our league today was asking for an NA spot, but uh, just playing it by ear right now. Yeah, I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven people that are currently not playing, and that doesn't count postponed games. So I've got hmm. very little going on on my team. Uh, as we record this, the Islanders and Vegas Golden Knights are just kicking off, and uh, by the time we're done, Winnipeg and St. Louis will be playing. So yes. afternoon games today are the only thing going on, it seems. Yes. Uh, we should announce a winner for our draw. So it is yes. our 
I mean, it's not 12 games anymore of giveaways. Um, we are going yeah, to yeah. hold over the prizes that we're not giving away for things in the new year. Um, it's just, you know, we can't really predict what's going on with this. It's also going to slow down all of the sending out of things. Mm-hmm. So I apologize. Uh, Steph mm-hmm. and I are meeting up to trade everything off uh, tomorrow. And uh, then it'll all be packed up and sent off to you. So apologies. It couldn't be yes. before Christmas, but you know how the season gets. <laughs> so with that... Steph, tell us who won. Okay. Our big winner this time is someone from Instagram at LeafsFan1228. Congratulations. You have won yourself a Leafs t-shirt along with awesome stickers from Tulin Designs from our friend Victoria. So we will definitely send that off to you very soon. Just send your info to us once you hear that you have won. And yeah. But uh, so sad about the not do not doing the 12 days, like you said, Johnny, like I really, really wanted it to be uh, straight every Leaf game and a success. But hey, that just means more prizes in the new year. So it just lined up so perfectly that we were going to do 12 games in a row and it was leading up to Christmas. But, you know. The world is unpredictable. So um, before we get into the COVID news with the Leafs, uh, the first thing we heard was that Jason Spezza's suspension was reduced. Woohoo! So he was going to be back yes. for the um, the Saturday game, I think would have been his first one against yes. Vancouver. Exactly. Uh, so this and was we were surprising. so excited about because, that. Yeah. And this is surprising because Bettman never does this with small suspensions like sub seven game suspensions i'd say it's usually mm-hmm. like the bigger ones like we saw with the vander kane um yeah so uh, there were some different opinions on this i heard between different shows i listened to um people seem to think that it was partially because of spetz's clean record and also partially because the news came out that jt and kerfoot both went into the covid protocol so batman mm-hmm. was like i'm not like we're not in a position to hold players off of teams right now so let's let's just get this to four games get him back out there what what do you think about it yeah I think Bettman made the right call with the four games uh especially the guy like you said has a clean record he's he's never been like this ever in the league right and we discussed this so much previously and I think it's fair to only give him max of what Pionk got and not anything further. And I kind of had that suspicion, like they made it six games to begin with so that Spezza had the opportunity to appeal. <laughs> I don't know what was in the minds of these people when it happened, especially when there was no penalty on the play and just, you know, that game was a shit show to begin with. But uh, no, I'm happy the four games. I think they were playing it safe and that they didn't know how long Pionk was going to be out. So once they knew mm-hmm. that he was only out for a couple of days, um, they have the option to then lower it, you know, if he'd appealed it. I think it's it's like we talked about with the refs being able to call a major penalty and then review it and reduce it. But you can't yeah. raise one like you can only lower one. So I think it's yeah. give them the like throw the book at them and then evaluate it and see if it, it warrants lowering it a couple games. And that's exactly what they did. So for the first time, um we got to uh, we got to give it to uh, the <laughs> Department of Player Safety and, and Gary for once <laughs> making a half decent call. Wow, is this is a rare moment. 
yes, this hand, this clap is a rare, rare moment. Wow, that's why we need to celebrate this, right? Because honestly, in my opinion, I thought they were going to wait till the end of the six games and then make the decision afterwards. And then the only plus side for Spezza is that he'd get some of the salary back. But obviously, Fair. Leafs Nation wants to see him play. We need him to on the ice. So, but unfortunately, COVID, man. Yeah, so uh, it seemed like it was, I don't know, within six hours. I think it was later that night um, yeah. that we found out. Just as he came, uh, came out of suspension, uh, Spets and Simmons were both added along with JT and Kerfoot to COVID protocol. So this is all while the Leafs were out in Vancouver. Uh, they started testing everybody before the game and the results just started coming in. So uh, mm. we had Dubas with his live press conference saying that uh, two of the four of them were actually experiencing symptoms. He didn't name which two of them, mm-hmm. but that just kind of adds to the conversation of all these coaches and, and commentators and fans and everybody saying, you know, why are we testing them if they're asymptomatic? Well, not all of them are asymptomatic. It seems. Yeah. Um, we're not going to give too many or try not to give any medical opinions on here. Cause we're mm-hmm. hockey fans, not professional uh, medical <laughs> experts by any means. So I think that's about the extent of the opinion I'll give on this is that, uh, you know, two of the four of them are experiencing symptoms. So I think it's safe to say that this is a little worse than maybe it's being made out to to seem in the NHL. Yeah, but the bad news kept flowing as the weekend went by because then we added more players to the list. And now we have Simmons, Spezza, Kerfoot, Tavares, Brody, Campbell, Dermott, and then our Man, Keith Carberry, which is an assistant coach, and the cherry on top was 10 Marlies into the mix. So I thought it was interesting. Um, I saw on Twitter, Mission 22 said that every day uh, it seemed like the Marlies had another name thrown onto the protocol list. And obviously the barn has been given so much opportunity in the last two weeks, rotating in and out of the Leafs lineup. So you're wondering where does this stem from? Was it the trip starting in Alberta because we we know the situation on in Alberta is uh, not that great right or did it come from our farm I don't know but it's a scary thought yeah especially with I mean all the injuries that they've had it's kind of hard not to have called up all these minor players I think it, it goes to say that they should have had a taxi squad in the league coming into this season even just to be safe have a couple people that aren't with the the, uh, the AHL teams that also can travel around with the majors you know so yeah. if this happens they're not having this cross-contamination i'm just trying to look mm-hmm. at who the marley's played last so they mm-hmm. were in syracuse last before um and providence so they were actually um down in the states for a couple games before they got okay. their outbreak which is i mean worth noting yeah. we have 90 percent canadian listeners i don't mind saying that that's worth <laughs> noting <laughs> But the other 10%, if you want to just make it full circle, uh, if we're talking about players, are actually on COVID protocol, unfortunately. And that's a high number for the NHL. And that's almost, I think we're at about 100 names on the list if you're including staff and such. So we have teams like uh, Colorado, Florida, Nashville, Boston, who have all shut down until December 26th. Also Calgary and other teams are just following suit because the list is way too long. I mean, poor Calgary, 17 players out with COVID. Oh my God. Like <laughs> It's awful. Yeah. I actually, I missed the last announcement about Keith and, and everybody. 
Uh, I like as it came out, I didn't see it. Mm-hmm. But I got home and I checked my fantasy team and it said COVID-19 beside Jack Campbell. And I was like, wait, wait, what? No. And that's when I when I checked, and I saw the last update. I was like, shit. I know. Out of all players, right? You're like, not Jack Campbell. <laughs> I mean, we well, love them all. It, it was it's like it's one thing if it's two players and, and you know it's kind of contained then it's four and it's like oh shit but then it's like this and you're like okay everybody has yeah. it at this point like literally the whole team has it and what is that fine line that has to happen for the Leafs to go on pause or for the whole NHL to go on pause you know because this is ties into the Olympics and it ties into what's going to happen in the future but it's just the one big question. <laughs> I don't know. I do like the idea of shutting down individual teams and not the whole league because like we saw yesterday, I mean, Dallas and Chicago played with pretty much their entire lineups. So I think mm. as long as you keep the teams that aren't infected away from the teams that are the, and they yeah. can continue playing their games, I think it'll save a lot of the schedule because just pausing this is going to cost so much money and just absolutely demolish the schedule that is so much work to put together. Like mm-hmm. we we have the three weeks of like I'll just say it the Olympics are yep. NHL is not going to the Olympics so that three weeks is pretty much going to be set aside for making up these games and if they pause for any longer than that we're getting into danger territory I mean it's like Dubas said yeah. on his conference the Leafs are lucky that the three games that they have so far postponed are one Western road trip it's Calgary Seattle Vancouver so they yeah. can do those all in one trip it's not like he was saying it would be hard to find a day just to get out to Calgary to play that game and come back. But now they mm-hmm. can wrap all three of those and do like a week trip. So, yeah. And the teams that shut down till after the holidays, it makes sense because some of their schedules overlap anyways. Like, for example, Nashville is going to be playing Florida and then Boston's going to be playing Colorado, etc. So it makes sense for those teams to uh, shut down. But there's only 14 teams with uh, players on COVID protocol. So you're you're right when you say you might as well let the other players play but it gets tricky because of the border situation and because of the teams that they may visit but i think it depends on the canadian government at the end of the day because they seem to be a little more strict than the u.s government when it comes to this but speaking of who was it who yelled at tyler bertuzzi last night it was a guy on new on the new or the new jersey devils uh he was wearing number 55. I think he was from the farm or a rookie player. I cannot remember his name. It was something like he, I don't know, but it was so funny. Um, They're obviously Gearston. reading lips. Gearston, yes. Reading Gearston? lips. Gearston? Gearston? Saying, uh, go get vaccinated. Why don't you go get vaccinated? So funny. <laughs> this is the best chirp of the year. Uh, so Bye. just on a, on a positive note that came out of this, I just read before we got on here, uh, Vancouver, uh, the arena actually donated all of the food that was mm. made for the weekend games to their local food banks around the city. So that's awesome. Nice. Uh, we know that all across Canada going into the winter, the homeless problem in our major cities is uh, unfortunately abundant. So uh, any any donations like that are always greatly appreciated. So uh, if you are in yeah. Canadian cities, major or minor, Uh, you know consider helping out your local food banks this winter yeah for sure that's awesome news and uh, i know this year's been all over the place we unfortunately have at least one episode a week where it's bad news and now we're in this covid situation and like keith for example is the fifth nhl coach in protocol this year and you just wonder what where's that fine line where's that threshold but 
Johnny, you said um, they're not going to the Olympics. I read otherwise online. It's interesting to note just because um, Bettman said prior to the season that provided that there isn't a material disruption during regular season, then they're going to move forward because they all the players committed collectively uh, after bargaining for participation last season. I know these players want to go, but then they're coming back now. For example, McDavid says it's unsettling. Eric Carlson says that if the China protocol uh, stays the same, he definitely won't be going. And then you have Alex Petandrio that says he has four kids under the age of three and a half, and he's definitely not going to be going. And he's one of one of three already named to the Canadian team. So. Yeah, and JT was uh, skeptical skeptical about going. I think Robin Leonard's already said he's not going to go. So yes, I think he's it's the going only to, one. I think it's going to be um, kind of a case by case. Like players can go if they want to, but it's not going to be like uh, uh, you know entire team that we saw. Hmm. Yeah, it's just so un- unfortunate. But at the same time, we just don't know the uncertainty, especially coming from. Unfortunately, like China is an amazing country. We know the greatness that comes out of there, but it's a hot spot right now and it's dangerous in a lot of people's uh, perspective. But uh, yeah, I don't blame them. And I I also saw that there is a player's fund. uh, If they do happen to quarantine uh, in those Chinese hospitals, that there's up to $5 million that can be distributed to players if they happen to lose salary but after that there's nothing so you have a guy like Connor mcdavid out for you know like the whole five weeks he 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 may eat up that whole package i mean the whole team there's nobody on that team that makes less than like six or seven million dollars like these guys are all making huge money if they uh well i mean they're losing huge money and they're going to eat away at that if if they miss games yeah, exactly. And actually, Hockey Canada already postponed the pre-tournament game for the World Juniors that was scheduled for December 19th to the 22nd. So everything around us, it's just rapidly happening because I know last episode we had this discussion. What percent do we think that the NHL will shut down, going to the Olympics, etc.? But like I said, that episode, every day it's going down and down and down and yeah now it's booster time (laughs) but Uh, yeah and i mean not to stay on on the low energy things but like well not low energy let's let's stay with the negative things and then we'll end on positive so um unfortunately in the dallas chicago game uh though nobody was out with covid protocol tanner kiro was unfortunately taken off on a stretcher after Mm -hmm. a i'm gonna i'm just gonna say it was a dirty hit he didn't have the puck for quite a while um his head was down and like, honestly, he wasn't paying attention because he didn't have the puck. No, the puck was a couple feet off the air. Like the guy was trying to bat it down to the ice and then the train just came on and trucked right through. Like he obviously had his head down too, but it wasn't a situation where the hit was necessary either. No, not at all. Uh, He was ejected from the game. I don't even know who it was on Chicago that hit him. Unfortunately, it Sorry. was Brett Connolly. From, Brett Connolly. He was traded to the Chicago Blackhawks in the offseason from Washington Capitals, and he's known for a heavy body presence on the ice. So, yeah, and that 
Pavelski, man, watching that interview after, oh, it just got me. The guy is tearing. He's crying. And I applaud him because I love when a man can show his emotions and not hide it and run off like some others may have. But he just bawled and like it obviously PTSD from his injury back in the 2019 uh was it the playoffs back then? So, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to find a clip of that one. I don't remember the hit, but I remember him being seriously injured from it. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like you said, it's nice to see, like he was saying how the team rallied around him and they were all there for him and checking in and making sure he's okay. It's just, you know, with everything going on, we tend to forget that like through these last couple of years, especially more than ever, these guys have been living extremely close to each other and, yeah, you know they spend day in and day out. It's not like a normal coworker relationship. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, it is a business, but at the end of the day, these people are human. And I hate to go back to the COVID topic, but at the same time, like we have to think about these things because a lot of these players have young kids at home, and they have partners at home who the kids are back in school the partners i don't know they obviously connecting with the community and working if they they are and you know just interacting with the schools in general but yeah it just i'm so happy to see pavelski stand up in that interview and what happened the way it happened in the game klingberg scoring his first goal this season i think it was the overtime winner too which is awesome he's been having a really bad year but yeah, and Joe Pavelski with uh, four points on the night. Thank you, sir, on my fantasy team. He got two power play goals in the first period and then two assists later on. Uh, dude is lighting up the last couple of weeks. So all of this Didn't aside. Didn't he have uh, four power play points too? I think I saw uh, three. that. Three. Wow. Yeah, three power play points. So that actually put me in the lead for those. So he nice. um, he's been pretty hot and cold. Like the last couple of games before this, he cooled off a bit. But he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven points in like four games or something. Wow, Crazy. he's one of those guys that will score a couple, you know, pot them in, and then be cold for five, six games, like you said before, and then he gets a four point night. So. Wow. Speaking of Max Pacioretty, last two games has been held off the score sheet for the first time the entire season. Oh, wow. And breaking news, my pickup from today, Brock Nelson just scored a power play goal. Woo! (laughs) Nice. Someone I would never pick up in the fantasy world. But, you know, there's not many options out there. Slim pickings with all the postponements. So Yeah, I've got Patches and Dadunov playing in that game. I'm going to drop Dadunov. He has been absolutely just non-existent. Just zeros across the board every game. Yeah. Not worth it. (laughs) um so into fun news uh we saw a clip come out where cross hannis who is a detroit red wings prospect who plays for a team that i should have written down um pulled off the uh the trevor zegers puck flip from behind the net so he plays for um the Portland Winterhawks. Winter yes, there we Winter go. Winterhawks. <laughs> so they are, I guess, the farm team for the Detroit Red Wings. Um, so it was a pretty nice play. It was behind the net. It looked like he caught his forward off guard by doing it. Yes. But as soon as he pushed that stick down on top of it, I think everybody knew what was coming. 
and uh, the defenders were not looking the right way. No. And his man in front managed to put it in. So uh, eat it, Torts. Yeah, eat it, man. Like, this was a nice goal, especially with the traffic in front. I didn't think the guy would hit it right in. And, you know, um, what's this kid's name? Cross. (laughs) Right? Uh, I I had to read that a couple times and listen to the replay to... I know. Pronunciation. <laughs> this man, these people with the new names, though, that's that's awesome. But um, he had all the time in the world behind the net to pick up that puck and fling it in front. And I just didn't, <laughs> didn't see it coming with a stick, just a quick whack because it happened so fast. But there you go. This is proof that this is good for the hockey world. And I see towards point two with losing the game and such. But um Good on uh, who called him out in the interview afterwards. And pretty much, yeah, Ferraro. Oh, what a gem. This guy, I'm so glad he's still around because he's so knowledgeable. And I think I was talking with uh, Justin Bean or or someone on Twitter about him. Uh, He's just so valuable in the NHL. So it was, uh, as I read here, it was James Stefan or Stefan was the lucky recipient who got the pass on the other side um, to extend the Winterhawks lead to four to one. And that was Hannes, uh, Hannes's team leading 19th assist of the year. Wow. Awesome. So uh, Good for that kid, nice little pickup uh, from the draft for the Detroit Red Wings. Maybe somebody yeah. interesting uh, in years to come. So as you mentioned, we're uh, approaching the world juniors. We are going to do our best to try to cover uh, the leaf prospects, both on, uh, I guess it's, Team Finland and USA, I want to say. Yes. So uh, between the two of those and then Team Canada, because why not? It's Team Canada. We'll cover everything World Juniors as best we can. Uh, We are not junior um, professionals. We'll have Bean on for that (laughs) to help us out, I'm sure. And uh, Andrew, who wanted to do the uh, World Juniors and Olympic stuff as well. So we'll probably have some four-person shows for that. It'll be fun. Actually, uh, speaking of juniors and prospects, I saw that our Finland guys there, one was named, I think, um, what was his last name? Hirvonen. I know I'm saying this so bad, but we talked about him with uh, Justin. Uh, He was named the team captain for the Finland team. And Niemela was also recognized in some form. I should have written it down, but I was like, yes, now I know about these prospects because of that episode. Thank you to our friend, Justin. And also good news. uh, Our prospect leader in points has signed a three-year entry-level contract with the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's Ty Voigt from the Sarnia Sting. (laughs) There you Uh, go. Yes, there it is. Leads the team in assists and points, 29 points in 24 games. And he was a fifth round draft pick, 153rd overall in the 2021 draft. So I'm excited about this kid, even though I said previously that he's tiny. But hey, he has all the time in the world now to bulk up and get ready for the big boys. So I'm so excited to see this guy play. Yeah, I uh, I've heard the name a couple times, but I don't really know much about him. So, be interested to see, you know, them in action where they're the top people on the ice instead of you know depth people getting a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking up Tepi Niemela. Blah 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 blah. Oh yeah, I mean I look him up. It says he should be a Tepi Niemela should be an untouchable prospect. 
Um, but I can't find anything on what he was named. Mm. Oh, I should have written it down, but uh, yeah. Yeah, no, we... it, it, that's awesome to see. Yeah. I know we're past our little COVID debate, but should we answer some Twitter questions, Johnny? Yeah, we got a couple. We got like two minutes before we can go to break here. We can push that a couple, but uh, let's do. We've got one here from uh, Mike, MTC underscore 80 from Twitter. So when slash if games resume, do you expect arenas to be empty again like last year? Hope you're all doing well. Hope you're doing well, Mike. Yeah, hope you're doing well. And thank you so much for the question. We love answering your questions. So my personal opinion, I guess it's already happening, right? Toronto already made the decision 50% down in capacity. And then we saw that uh, Montreal a game a couple days ago that had no fans but I think if the numbers keep crawling it's bound to happen and it's the step before the last resort of shutting down the NHL so hey we know I mean okay all the players are vaccinated boosted all that Mm -hmm. the people coming in have to be I think it's just going to be restricted and reduced. I I honestly don't think anybody across the board can afford a full shutdown. Like yeah. for context, it costs the government of Canada three billion dollars a day to shut down. So, um, oh my god! Yeah, fun fact. Uh, so when you get into things like the NHL, it's probably is not quite that high, but we're looking at like percentage wise it's it's like around that number for them like it's it's a massive chunk of their money every day that they're losing Mm -hmm. to shut down and we did that initially in a reactionary phase when we didn't know anything and we're waiting for vaccines and no one knew the the extent of what this was going to do i think we're at a much more predictable point now in the world and i think everybody like i mean down in the states you you can't tell them not to to do these things anymore like you can't tell them yeah. to put put a mask back on inside and you know go back into your house and spend christmas with five people it's just it's not going to happen <laughs> like we're we're 21 months into this and it's been done down there for i think the last 15 of them depending on the state yeah. you're in so well being that as the majority of the nhl i just i don't see a full like empty arenas shutdown happening again maybe like we've seen in canada we're going to go down restricted we might see restrictions in like new york and california but outside of that i don't really see it happening yeah people are pissed right because you put the restrictions on during the holidays 10 people per household and then there's complaints why why is there 10 20,000 people in a stadium or an arena and we saw it when we were at the game like of course like that game wasn't as packed but once the intermission's on the hallways are packed and the lines to the washrooms is insane so I I think it might go to that point if we have more teams shutting down but an interesting point too um, last year when we shut down there were only I believe, uh, what was it? Uh, eight teams who had people infected with COVID-19 and a max of four, four players per team. And that's when they shut down the NHL completely. And now we have 14 teams and so many more players, almost 100 people in the league. And 
safety measures are not the same, just like anything else in our COVID world, because we've been really lax lately, right? But yeah, like I feel like the biggest difference, like we've been saying, is is the vaccines, right? Like it was a different yeah. time then, like where you would have players that get it and they were out for months. Some of them, some of them were out for the rest of the season. They didn't recover mm-hmm. from it fully, but now you have a majority of them are all asymptomatic, like by the same sense you or I, if we were doing rapid tests as often as they are, could have tested positive at any point being vaccinated people. And it just like, we wouldn't know. And like, that's the same thing they're going through is you can get up to a hundred people because it's just, we're at the point of spreading it, not being infected by it, I think is, is where what, as as much as I understand, again, we said, we're not going to get into medical opinions on this episode, but from what I understand so far is that this is more contagious and less infectious. So yeah. I think we're going to see more people infected across the board, but it's not going to be as serious of illness moving towards more of a flu. Um, We're not there yet, but I think that's the direction it's trending. Again, from my non-expert opinion. Yeah. (laughs) But I just, you know, to kind of close it off to answer the question, um, I think we'll see reduced capacity and reduced, like Ontario already announced, you can't buy um, food and drinks anymore um in the arenas i think we'll see some things like that reactionary province and state by state but there's nothing going to come down from the league that's like we're we're not playing or people aren't allowed in the arena it's going to be up to uh wherever they are yeah and it kind of ties into our next question actually and um from mission 22 or 2210 when will the nhl quit being so stubborn and re-implement the taxi squad so they're not putting their teams at more risk by exposing players to the minor teams as well as their own yeah i mean we touched on this earlier and i it was kind of in my mind because i read this question earlier um the taxi squad should have been there from the beginning of the season. Like we weren't yeah. at a point we, we saw the NFL start before and have their own issues. Like there were other mm-hmm. leagues going on where this was a problem. So I don't know why they didn't just be air on the side of caution. Like you can, you can scrap it once you see things are trending in the right direction. But since the beginning of the season, it's been, you know, not exactly great. Like we've been trending in the wrong direction in terms of cases per day for the last month now. Yeah. So, I mean, as much as people are calling on the Ontario government for not being prepared for this, the NHL wasn't prepared for this either, it seems. Yeah, and I'm actually surprised. You would think they would have a couple backup plans here, especially with running a full 82-game season. But uh, like I said earlier, I think Canada is way more stricter when it comes to the provisions. For example, when Sebastian Ajo, who plays for the um Carolina Hurricanes tested positive while in Vancouver. He had to quarantine in a hotel there for two weeks before traveling versus teammates Jordan Stahl and some others who tested positive in Minnesota. They only had to quarantine for the time being, which was in brackets. There's no really details there. So it's I think until you produce two negative tests, they they let you out. mm -hmm. And then I saw some talk about maybe implementing like the baseball system kind of like what we did last season play the teams back to back so you cut some traveling off the schedule I think that's a great idea especially if you're on the west coast right but then you'd have to screw around the schedule even more and the NHL in my opinion should have had this backup plan to to start just like you said Roscoe like this should have been 
Like if this didn't work out, we're going to move on to this and et cetera, et cetera. And then this baseball system, I, I'm a fan of it, even though I know maybe teams last year, you know, actually they said they enjoyed it because they didn't have to travel as much and then they weren't as tired, especially traveling after games and such. So yeah. yeah, and I, I think it, it does something for the rivalries, too, because you know that whatever started that night is going to be picked up either the next day or two days later. Uh, it gives fans. Yeah. It's like when somebody so someone's like, oh, we sold out whatever night for our show. We're adding a second night. It's like it gives all the fans a couple chances to go to see the same team over the same weekend. So it's like, oh, if you like Calgary, you can pick, you know, the weekend where they're here playing two games or whatever it is. So. Um, I think it makes games more accessible to people and it makes it easier on the players. It's more fun to watch for the fans. I think we learned something with that last time they did it that they probably should have stuck with this year. I think there there was a lot of we're out of this. It's done. Let's go back to normal. And they just kind of uh, everybody felt like they worked two years worth of work in the last year. So they kind of (laughs) just all right, we're done with this, right? Like we can go back to normal and phone it in. And and it didn't work. Maybe not phoning it in, but I think they should have been a little more prepared than this because other than it seems pretty reactionary. Like we've seen from everybody this uh, the last couple of months is just deal with it as it comes up. Yeah, I think the biggest change will come when the Canadian government makes a final decision on these sports teams, because I truly believe we'll hear it first from the Canadians before the Americans, because, you know, every state is so different. But uh, yeah, who knows? Tomorrow might be a whole nother story, right? This thing is rapidly, rapidly expanding. So I'm just hoping for the best and for the players to stay healthy and safe and their families to enjoy their holiday season as well. And we'll see. Time will tell. Yeah. So with that, we should go to break. Um, I don't have anybody to feature today, but we have a fun little Christmas song from uh, our sound epidemic sound uh, sponsor. So this is uh, this is Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry we'll be right Christmas. Back. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. So we're going to just finish off our little chat there. I think there's some some more points we want to touch on before we move on. Um, We also have a couple more little tidbits of news to cover. So uh, Steph, did you have something you wanted to add? First, I want to say that that was an awesome song. I am a Christmas music hater, so I can definitely deal with this type of song. Like when you see those memes where it's like sinus headache, back headache and like the different types of headaches and then when the whole head's lit up and red it's like christmas music in november it's like ah. 
<laughs> but uh, no, thanks for that, Johnny. I really enjoyed that. Uh, so that's that's from our um, Epidemic Sound. Uh, please sponsor us is who um, I get all of our sound effects and music that is not from other artists from. Um, it is the service we pay for. So that is Merry Xmas by Fashion. If you would like to look that song up, I don't know if it's nice. available anywhere. It might just be on there. Well, the only thing I wanted to say before we moved on, it's nothing big, but the return of Alex Tuck is supposed to be on Monday. He Ooh. was traded to the Buffalo Sabres from the uh, Vegas Golden Knights for Jack Eichel. Remember that huge story about a month and a half ago or so? And Seems like a will- year ago. I know it's so long ago, right? We've had so much happen since then, but he will finally, he's supposed to be making his debut on Monday. And I believe he's going to be a huge figure for uh, the Buffalo Sabres team. So fantasy owners out there, he's still on IR, but this is an awesome grab off the waiver wire. Just a pro tip right there. You heard it here first. Grab Alex Tuck if he's available. So uh, the other thing that I wanted to touch on here, um, really crazy breaking news came up on my phone that I was like, there has to be more of a story here. Like something happened. Like, was he accused of something? No, Paul Maurice resigned as Winnipeg Jets head coach. Just um, the team needs a different voice and it's not me anymore. And I think that is the most respectable uh, head coaching move just be like look i'm i'm talking and they're not hearing anymore i i know when it's time for a new voice yeah and uh i'm out mid-season not even doing that awfully they're not doing great but they're not doing bad there's a lot of teams doing way worse yeah but seriously uh, they're fifth in the central they're 13 10 and 5 uh i know i had some questions about the winnipeg jets to start the season like what's going on there even with hellbuck there he wasn't uh producing like we're used to but hey in the nhl it's unheard of to hear of a coach resigning and not have some sort of scandal or rumor floating around you know what i mean but yeah Ninth season, 600 games. He has an awesome record, 315 to 233 and 62 record. Fourth most games in NHL history. Wow, this deserves an applause for the move that he made. Like, <laughs> Yeah, and I think part of it that I've heard is maybe Shovel Day Off was, was leaning towards a change in the offseason. And he's like, look. You guys can get there sooner. I can just step out the door. Like, I, I don't <laughs> mind leaving now. This isn't fun for me anymore. He was saying, like, yeah. the losses hurt more. And I know he mentioned the bubble year was just awful. So, I, you know, when you're not feeling it anymore and the team's not hearing you, I think it's it's best for everybody if you just step back. And, I mean, I don't know what this means for Winnipeg paying out his contract because he resigned, but I'm sure they have some deal with him where they're compensating him fairly for all the work he's done. Yeah, and this is another rare moment for the NHL in general because now we see interim coach Kevin Laurie, who has his son playing on the same team, Adam Laurie. So it's like Adam has had a lifetime of his dad coaching him, right? Even at the most pro level. So yeah, and shout out uh, if you, I think it was on 32 Thoughts or on Jeff Merrick's show, he was telling all of the other instances where this has happened and it's very rare there's only been a couple in history where fathers have coached their sons in the nhl yeah i was trying to look it up now and 
there's not many. It, no. it goes back Punch to the Imlock. Hartford Whalers. Like Brent Imlock coached Punch Imlock, but it was only for like two games or something. So wow. it, there's a couple of them, but not a, not many, and they're all pretty short lived. So, like we see here with an interim coach, you know, I don't think many teams would plan to be in a position to have their coach coaching their son. I just don't think that's an ideal situation for most <laughs> professional sports teams because it's not like seven year olds. Yeah, yeah. Like having your dad coach the team feels like he's gonna bring Timbits or something, and like, <laughs> oh my god, everyone's going to Dairy Queen. <laughs> But yeah, now he's definitely has to listen to daddy there on the being the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, right? There can't be any bad blood. So no kidding. (laughs) So Maurice is, I think, the youngest or second youngest to coach a thousand games in the NHL, which is absolutely wild. So he was playing um, for the Windsor Spitfire. Or no, was it the Windsor Spitfires? Yeah, he played for the Windsor Spitfires, uh, 84-85. But after like three seasons, he got an eye injury and never really played again. And he transitioned into coaching when he was 27, like wow. 26 or 27. He started as assistant coach with the Windsor Spitfires and then was moved up um, to the Detroit Junior Red Wings, which was their affiliate where he hired uh, he he was hired as assistant coach. They fired the coach, put him as head coach. That's his first head coaching gig. Um, and guess who he hires as his assistant coach? <laughs> Family. His uh, his good friend Pete DeBoer. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so uh, Vegas Golden Knights head coach Pete DeBoer was Paul Maurice's assistant coach all the way back in the uh, the OHL, which is just so cool. And um, the Junior Red Wings owner bought the Hartford Whalers, so they mm. moved. Paul Maurice up to the Hartford Whalers and this guy just kept like stepping one ring up after another and uh, he's been a head coach in the NHL since uh, at the age of 28 Maurice became the second youngest coach in National Hockey League history behind only Gary Green who was 26 when he took the helm of the Washington Capitals in 1979. Wow. So it's absolutely wild the record that this guy has for how young he is like He's coached over a thousand games in the NHL. Uh, yeah, youngest coach at forty-three years old to coach a thousand games. That was in twenty ten. Eleven years ago, he coached his thousandth game. Wow. Well, you have some coaches in their seventies, right? So, yeah, it's it's just crazy. So, um, do we think that there's a, another step up after coaching for Paul Maurice next? I know there's a lot of chatter about this. I hope so. I this guy obviously <laughs> he's taking all the right steps and of course this guy wants to stay in the NHL in my opinion of course but I can't see him doing anything else. Uh is he going to put in the resume along with mine for the GM position there or like are we battling it battling it out or what? <laughs> so I think there's an interesting discussion around the rumor. Like, I don't know how much of a rumor it is yet, but some people are are mentioning, you know, what about Vancouver GM? You know, Jim Rutherford's looking. Yeah. Uh, And in my little research of Paul Maurice's history, that Detroit Junior Red Wings uh, job he had where he hired Pete DeBoer, Jim Rutherford hired Paul Maurice as the head coach. Oh, my God. Full circle. It all comes full circle. This is a small... (laughs) little community of coaches this is just supposed to to prove that so i think uh there are now 41 people 
on the list of GMs for Jim Rutherford to uh, interview. I don't know how much of a chance he has, but I think he's in the discussion. I think it's worth giving a look. Hell yeah. Like, I mean, Maurice has been around the game, like we said, since the 80s. And he's, yeah. you know, he's still a young guy. And if you're looking for somebody to mentor the Sedins, like, why not somebody that coached through when they were playing? Yeah, and he's not like a coach like Mike Babcock, where we knew that uh, if he doesn't come back anytime soon, he's absolutely done with coaching in the NHL. Like, we know that Paul, he's in. This guy oh, is, yeah. he's in. He's successful. He is, like, on top of the charts. Like, number four o- overall in history at age 43. That is impeccable. So Oh, he's like a free agent coach. As soon as there's a discussion, he's on the list. And it's like he gets, you know, he moves from one team to another if, uh, if he ever does. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that's Montreal and Vancouver and now Winnipeg all have new coaches this season. Uh, who's next? Is it Ottawa or Edmonton? Two different situations, but different dumpster fires. One's like a cardboard fire and one is like an oil fire. Yes. <laughs> well, the good news for Ottawa is that they had a huge 8-2 win against the Florida Panthers out of all teams, right? So something right after must four be nothing looking. over Tampa. Yeah, exactly. And things must be looking better for DJ Smith at this point. Like his name has never been in the talks of getting rid of him in general. Like I had that take maybe a couple weeks ago because we we're wondering like how much pain do we have to go through to like keep losing as if you're a sense fan but no i think this guy is in Tippett. on the other hand i think he would be before G- dj smith but that's just me i don't know i agree i think i mean ottawa came into the season like the first week they looked good and then they just fell off after that and lost like 13 games or something out of 15 <laughs> so um i think they've kind of just I think they even said in a press conference that they're still rebuilding. Like this year didn't work. We're just going to, you know, let the young guys get some time now. And, you know, they waved El Zotto, they waved Matt Murray. So I think they're, they're kind of giving up on the season and trying to chase Montreal for the bottom. Um, yeah. If it's from the, the Ottawa team, I think it's more the GM, not the coach. Exactly. Yeah. I think we could see a, a switching of the Pierres as was rumored for uh, when, Pierre uh, Maguire was hired to back up Pierre Dorian. Yeah. Paul Maurice, so, maybe? <laughs> no, I honestly, I think they they brought, um, oh my God, there's too many Pierres. Um, Pierre Maguire, I think, <laughs> yeah. was brought in to just be like the, you know, GM in waiting. That's what everybody was saying. So I think that's just finally going to come to fruition. <laughs> the only Pierre in my life is that, that giraffe, Pierre Engel. I was just going to say so. Engel. <laughs> Yeah. So um, I, I'd agree that Tippett, like, had he not gone into COVID protocol, um, I think we would have seen him fired. We'll see what happens after this pause. Things could completely change for the Oilers. Like, this could be a blessing in disguise for him. Like, if they turn things around without him um, and they're content for another uh, couple months. But yeah. I don't know. Things I look agree. rough there. But again, it's not his fault. What's he supposed to do with two players and a bunch of plugs? Like, no offense Seriously. to the rest of the team and Zach Hyman, who's been injured. Surprisingly, like, people three of the plugs. 
Yeah, Go ahead, pe- sorry. Sorry, no, it's just people shit on Kyle Dubas for the way that he structured the team. Edmonton is like 10 times worse if of the same format. Yes. Yeah, like last night they faced the Kraken and won 5-3 and three of the plugs scored, surprisingly. I'm talking oh, wow. about the third and fourth line with a full goal with two power play goals. But this is what the Edmonton Oilers clearly need. They cannot rely on three of the top players on the team and it does fall on Tippett at the end of the day so yeah things have to turn around especially if they had a blowout last night let's say it was 6-1 for the Kraken you know how horribly they're doing this season I know uh Tippett's not behind the bench right now but you know the coaching staff is still listening to the guys so we'll see yeah yeah and it's unfortunate that the Seattle Kraken have not had the uh you know, coming out of the gates that the Golden Knights had. <laughs> I but know. I think we all kind of assumed that looking at the lineup. But oh, we, yeah. we thought the same thing looking at the Vegas lineup going into the year. We're like, really? Yeah, but I'm so excited to see them. Carlson popped off and Chandler Stevenson popped off. and Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I was excited about today's game, you know, like Leafs facing the Kraken for the first time in history and seeing how they uh, play. I, I've watched a couple of games. The Kraken play a really heavy game. Oh, my God. They're throwing hits left, right and center. But the shots department is really weak. Like, I think when I tuned into the game last night, there it was a shot dif- differential of like 17 to 30 something for the Oy. Oilers. So, yeah. Well, the other thing that I to go back all the way to the beginning to our Jason Spezza suspension. One of the things that was brought up was the fact that he would be playing in Seattle. If um, Batman had dropped the suspension from six to four, where it, which is the only stadium he's never played. So oh, yes, there was something to that too. And now he still doesn't get to play there. Yeah. I want, I really wanted to see inside that stadium from the Leafs perspective as well. And watching that Seattle feed too, and see what they have to say about our Leafs players. So yeah, it was going to be until next time. So, um, ding, 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 code word time. So today's code word is snow day, snow day, because it's winter. And, uh, this feels like a snow day because there's no game. We're just kind of you know the teacher rolled the the vhs and uh and tv in and threw on bill nye and we're just yes. hanging out the best moments in school where you see that tv roll out into the class but yeah it's been like a snow day for us this weekend just what do we do what do we do uh okay let's do an episode of course but yeah it's also that... a blizzard here yesterday so i had to mm, appropriately do that lots of snow here too so since there is no hockey, at least no Leafs for, um, I don't want to say the next foreseeable future. Hopefully we see a game on Thursday against uh, St. Louis, which fingers crossed is our next episode. Um, otherwise, we'll see. So we're going to give you our recommendations for other things to watch and listen to besides this show, of course, uh, while you have no hockey. So, um, Steph, you want to start one off? What's something you've been watching or listening to or consuming yeah. that you would like the people to to hear about? One show that is still um, a new episodes being released every week. So they've only had five episodes out now. It's it's on Crave called Yellow Jackets. 
It is so intense. It's pretty much about a high school girl soccer team that becomes unlucky survivors of a plane crash deep into the wilderness and wow. how they had to survive, I think, 160 odd days, but it jumps back and forth like flashbacks to their life now because this happened in the 90s and how it affected them like uh 20 years later whatever it was so it's it's so intense it's such a good show i highly highly recommend it it's called yellow jackets yellow jackets on crave interesting okay i'll have to check that one out mm-hmm. um the ones that i watch on crave i know they're not on my list here but if you like danny mcbride and haven't seen all of the HBO shows that he's done. They're all on Crave. So um, he was, uh, he's in like, this is the end and hot rod and all of those um, Seth Rogen and, or, and, or um, Andy Samberg type movies. Yeah. Have you seen hot rod? Do you know Danny McBride? I've not seen it (laughs) as embarrassing as that is. Yeah. (laughs) Watch hot rod. That's another great one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he has a couple shows. There's Vice Principals with Walton okay. Goggins, who's in actually a lot of the shows he does, um, okay. which they are both vice principals at this small school where Bill Murray, who's the principal, retires and they're kind of like competing for taking over. But he hires someone else instead and okay. they kind of take it into their own hands. Um, they have another new one called The Righteous Gemstones, where they are like an evangelical preacher family from like the south so they have like a massive like stadium church and it's just about them like being awful and like trampling on all these like small churches around town and like eating (laughs) everything up and covering up uh conspiracies and murder and all that so it's kind of funny oh that's awesome Hmm. what's the other one they do um oh eastbound and down is the classic from years ago where he plays a retired uh, major league baseball pitcher who's like trying to come to grips with not being famous anymore. And he thinks like, you know, he can walk down the street and everyone's going to stop him, but really no one gives a shit. Wow. That's great. Well, if the listeners are into more of competition slash reality type shows, which I am a huge sucker for, unfortunately, I know people think that's like the garbage OTV, but I am am so into it so my my best recommendation right now for that is called school of chocolate it's with chef amari (laughs) gouchon i know i think you've seen it johnny uh the world-renowned chocolatier he mentors eight students who compete for a cash prize and other career-changing opportunities including like a pastry um chef he sorry he runs the pastry academy in las vegas and there's a fifty thousand cash dollar prize and it's incense it's not like your average baking show this guy literally makes life like statues of anything and anything you can think of and you have to take a double take and think like wow that's chocolate you have to do this in the window you will have about the 45 second window where you have to get all of this done so you will spread your chocolate out thin you're going to roll it through here and you see this it's matte not glossy when it's matte not glossy you can fold it you have a 45 (laughs) second window you have to get it right in the window Right in the window. Don't break the window. (laughs) But it's so good. It's just so good. It's not like those boring cupcake shows. This is on next level territory. So, guys, you got to watch Speaking of boring cupcake shows, Canadian baking shows, so wholesome and so entertaining. Is it? I haven't... They're on season, I think they just finished season four or five of it. The first season where Dan Levy was the host is amazing, but then they, you know, couldn't afford him after the first season. (laughs) Um, 
Wow. But uh, no, it's it's fantastic. It's just like a bunch of Canadians from all over just being friendly and baking things that are way too complicated for them. But they make some crazy oh, stuff. Oh, that reminds me of Nailed It, my oh, other it's not favorite show. Oh, God. <laughs> With oh, Trudy man. Judy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I love watching Nailed It and just laughing at those poor souls screwing everything up and making impossible creations in like half an hour. <laughs> Actually, if you like Nailed It, this another one that um, on YouTube, the Try Guys do, they've been doing it for a couple of years now. They have a series called Without a Recipe. Okay. I don't know if you've ever seen it where it's these four guys on YouTube. They... Um, they are given like, okay, you're going to the first episode they did was bread without a recipe and everyone loved it. So they've been doing it, you know, different seasons for years now. So nice. their Christmas one was cinnamon buns, um, sausages, macaroni and cheese and something else. But yeah, they, they are given like a couple hours to make something and no recipe and they just come up with crazy concoctions that are then judged by oh. people from like food network and like it's, chopped. it's pretty funny. Yeah. I loved watching chopped growing up chopped too. Chopped is great. Yeah, what are your recommendations, Johnny? What's what's the good the good show so, nowadays? Um, shout out to uh, Leafs Down Under and Luke Man, our Australian friends. I my girlfriend and I have been watching The Block uh, for like two years now, um, or I guess f- yeah, for the last like year we've been watching it since we started dating. Um, my mom recommended this to us after we watched on HGTV Rock the Block, which is where they have. Uh, the first season was individuals. The second one was teams where they give different designers from HGTV, like a blank slate house where they're like, here's a brand new, like $700,000 house. All the walls are white and nothing's done every week. We're going to do a different room and you're all going to be judged like, you know, bedroom versus bedroom, kitchen versus kitchen. Wow. Yeah. And then the winner gets the street named after them and the houses oh get God. sold at the end. Yeah. So when we were watching this, what? my mom was like, oh, you have to watch the original one. I was like, what do you mean the original? She goes, okay, so this show started in Australia and the Australian one is way better. Mm-hmm. So instead of being professionals from HGTV, it's just random people that sign up like brother and sister, <laughs> husband and wife, like whatever it is. And mm-hmm. so they have te- there's like usually four or five teams and they just walk up to this like completely dilapidated like townhouse row and they go all right number one two three four five here are your keys we're gonna do a challenge you get to pick your house and they walk in there's like no walls no floors everything's falling apart and they're like here's your budget and every week they do a different room and at the end of it the way that housing sales work in australia is it gets auctioned off um yeah so they do auctions instead of our silly um you know outbidding each other privately you actually yeah. have to go in and, and yell how much you want to spend on the house. Oh. So at the last episode, the finale is the auction where you actually get to see whose house sells for the most money and they all take home the profit. So everybody on the show makes like, you know, anywhere from 50 to like four hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars seven hundred thousand And then the winner gets an extra hundred K. So it's wow. a it's really interesting. It's on Amazon Prime. If anybody wants to watch it, uh, strap in because every season is like 70 hour long episodes. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like American Idol over there, though. It's massive. Like when you see them do events outside, there's people lined up down the street. There's like seas of people outside. The show is huge over there. Like and home literally makeover. No one, yeah, it's it's like their extreme makeover home edition, basically, like when wow. it was in its peak here. 
I gotta say, Australian shows are awesome because this, what you're talking about reminds me of this Airbnb show where they spend time in each other's Airbnb and pretty much the best one wins. But my yeah. favorite Australian show is definitely Wentworth. This is, Ooh. if you've never watched it, it is the more serious drama-filled version of Orange is the New Black because it takes place in a women's prison setting and it's just so much going on and these huge events happen but it doesn't affect the overall storyline going into further seasons i don't want to give away too much but yeah it's so good i highly highly recommend that show the there's two two more that i want to touch before we head out here yeah um there's one that my friend showed me two days ago it's on youtube this guy, Philion, P-H-I-L-L-I-O-N, I think, okay, has been doing a hate watch commentary or watch along of Reality House season three. Oh. If you've never heard of this, it's basically too hot to handle and Survivor put together run by douchey YouTubers and all the contestants are YouTubers and TikTokers. So a couple of them are these guys that were in those YouTuber <laughs> boxing fights. Tana Mojo was in it. FouseyTube was on. Um, basically, it's people that already make a lot of money competing for money in challenges that look like they like. For example, there was a challenge where the the prize was $17,000 for this one challenge, like for the winning team. And it looks like they spent 40 bucks at Walmart to put this whole obstacle course together. Oh, my God. Like the production value is so up and down, like. Like camera wise and like the editing, you're like, this is like an actual show. But then some of the things they do, you're like, you guys don't understand how to run a television show. Like this is very, very awful. But uh, Peter from Too Hot to Handle, if you remember him, yeah, uh, he's on it as he's their a TikToker. Uh, yep. So the they got blind him, guy. <laughs> Whatever he does, just like jumps on a table and pours wine all over himself. <laughs> like I don't really, know, man. man? It's, you just hate watch it along with him, and it's great. Um, not to spoil too much, but uh, their three biggest names quit within the first two days of the show. This is the ultimate uh, Gen Z show, you're telling me? The TikTokers, YouTubers all gathered together on Survivor? <laughs> Damn. Basically. This is, <laughs> it's, it's awful. It's awful, but it's so good. Um, and yeah. the last one, if anybody has Disney Plus, I didn't even know this was on Disney Plus until the other day. I've been, I've had it downloaded for a while because it was only on American Netflix. Mm. This is the reason that I got into fantasy hockey. Okay. The league, the league you is on Disney Plus. So, uh, not gonna lie, it trails off. The last season is god awful, almost unwatchable. Um, but the first six are fantastic. Um, it's about a group of friends that are in a fantasy football league. They've been friends since they were kids. They've all, you know, one's a lawyer. Two of them are lawyers. One's a doctor, plastic surgeon. You know, there's like the parents. There's everybody's gone different directions with their lives. But the only thing keeping them together is the fact that they're in this fantasy football league. Mm. And it's got Nick Kroll from The Kroll Show. And he's the guy who created Big Mouth. Big Mouth, in that. yeah. Um, it's also got... Um, Mark Duplass, who's um big indie world actor. He also, him and his brother do a lot of documentaries. They did that one, Wild Wild Country, on uh, that crazy cult in the States that okay. was back and whatever. 
Um, and Jason Manzukas and Paul Shear. Jason Manzukas is on Brooklyn Nine Nine as um, Rosa's uh, husband, fiance, the crazy dude. Hmm. I don't know if you watch that. Anyway, great cast. They're all hilarious. It's very improved. It's the director of uh, Kirby Enthusiasm who does it. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's uh, Mark and Jackie Schaefer. It's a husband and wife duo. They used to work on nice. Seinfeld back in the day. Yes. yes. Yeah, right? I recognize those names, yeah. Right? So they're like like sitcom royalty from Seinfeld yes. and Curb. And you can kind of feel the Curb vibes. It's very loose. Like you can tell people are like figuring out the conversations as they're going and it makes it very organic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they start the season off with uh, every every season is a new football season right so they always start off with something crazy to pick up uh, pick up the draft order so for example the first episode is they go to their daughter's birthday party and they draw numbers out of a hat and they're like oh is this our pick no 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 no. the number that you drew corresponds with one of the kids in the race whatever place your kid finishes that's your pick in the draft (laughs) so they're just like awful people who just use the world around them to influence their fantasy league so it's great nice wow their trophies named after some girl they went to high school with and you know they have like her awful uh, graduation photo on it and Aww. it's just it they're just it's like sunny and philly meets fantasy football it's fantastic i have to check it out too bad it's not about hockey you know but yeah that sounds so that'd be a great idea let's let's start that up <laughs> well if Everybody in our league watched it. We would be awful people to each other because like the whole thing is their their message boards are just like completely just shit talking all the time. And like they yeah. sabotage each other left and right. They're always like scheming each other on trades. And uh, yeah, it's uh, sounds about it right definitely, with our league. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely got like our whole house was like, OK, we have to let's play fantasy hockey because none of us watch football. So that that was wow. what started it. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. And I can talk about shows all day because, you know, <laughs> what else are we doing with life? Just oh, watching TV. But uh, something I just want to add before we sign off here is that I'm so looking forward. I'm behind because I, you know, shows just come out all at once, it seems. So I had to catch up on Locking Key, You, like all these other shows. But the thing I'm really looking forward to um, that released maybe a month ago now Dexter, the new season of Dexter. We've been waiting years for this, right? Because the final season uh, ended so horribly. So yeah, this is something I'm super into. And as well as... um, Don't spoil Drag Race. I haven't watched the finale yet. How do you know I was going to bring up Drag Race? (laughs) Because you hadn't yet. And I was surprised and it hit me. I was like, wait, she's probably watched the finale. And I actually haven't watched it yet because I was busy. Yes, I I know maybe wrong crowd to be talking about Drag Race, but I'm a huge, huge Drag Race fan. Shout out to Australia and the Down Under version because I love that as well. But yes, Canada crowned their newest victor on Thursday this week so that is awesome to watch if you guys are into that and also a show called Legendary that dips into the ballroom scene and not the uh, fancy ballroom it's more of the Vogue ballroom and the historics behind that but yeah also congrats to Erica the first Canadian winner of Survivor ever after 41 seasons who won on Wednesday night after a three hour finale that I strapped in for that was fun I didn't know Three they were hours. Canadians. I'm uh, so they have, lost that. It's it's pretty rare. It's usually like 90% Americans and there'll be like one or two international people on the cast. But okay. um, they've 
they've gone more diverse with the whole cast, like top to bottom. So she was a, uh, she's from Niagara Falls. I think she was, uh, her family was from the Philippines, but yeah, oh, she was, so it was like nice. first, a lot of firsts for the winner of survivor with her. So it was, it was cool. Nice. Um, awesome. I don't want to take up too much more time, but the way that it works is you get to pick who you bring to the final three with, or the, the guy who was like number one got to pick the two people that he brought with him and he picked the girl that everyone voted for to win. So he basically set himself Damn. up to lose. It was uh hmm. it was some. Anyway, uh that'll end our, our rant here. We could go on about this forever. That'll be another podcast. Maybe we'll yeah. add this as a segment every now and then, what we're watching. Yeah. So uh like we said, we'll we'll let you guys know on Twitter when we'll be back. Uh hopefully it's Thursday with the the uh the Leaf St. Louis game, but who knows if it's after Christmas uh, or whatever holiday you celebrate, have a lovely time and a happy new year and all of that. Uh, thank you for spending the first uh, part of the season and the rest of 2021 with us. We appreciate it. Yes, we will be back. And uh, just a note too that St. Louis game is supposed to be scheduled for 2 PM Eastern standard time. This is way off track for Leafs nation. So Yes, hopefully, uh, yes, we can watch that at 2 p.m. and bring you guys an awesome new episode and also release our final prize for our giveaway before Christmas. So Mm -hmm. big one coming. Stay tuned and stay safe, guys. You heard it here. Stay safe and uh, and enjoy yourselves at the end of the day. Try to uh, try to do something that makes you happy. Try to avoid all the negativity and uh, don't get too down. Oh. That's the wrong sound. <laughs> Let's Ding. get out of here. <laughs> we love you. Have a good uh, have a good rest of the week. Jersey incoming. Stay Follow tuned. Giveaway. Yes. <laughs> Your night of post game podcast available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more.